0: just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You
2: can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're
0: going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod here. And we're delighted to welcome back onto the show our friend Dominic Lees from Bracketometry.com. We spoke to Dom last season. He was the second-rated Bracketologist in America but since then, he has received the TFF InotS bump and is now rated as the best bracketologist by the Bracket Matrix. Uh, we're definitely speaking in rarefied air tonight, right now. Don, thanks so much for coming on the Final Four. It's not on the schedule
1: absolutely I appreciate it thank you for having me on i enjoyed it last year happy to be back
0: well we'll take a little we'll take a little bit of credit for you getting bumped up to number one it had nothing to do with your predictions right <laughs> so
1: <laughs> of course yeah No, is it being on here is good luck don't let any other bracketologists on it <laughs>
0: <laughs> how many you got what 67 of 68 in the field last year is that correct
1: uh yes i believe that is
0: correct these old rutgers yeah. that got tripped up most people i think last season right
1: yeah, and luckily a lot of people missed that one too, so it didn't cost me much compared to others, and had a lot of those teams on the right seed line, so it still worked out.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we begin, uh, if you'd like to check out Dom's work, head on over to Bracketometry.com to see his latest NCA field, and be sure to follow him on X or Twitter, uh, where you can find him uh, at, at BracketDom, as you can see on the screen, and keep up with his daily rundown of the field and important games. Uh, so thanks again for coming on, Dom. It's starting to feel like March down in your neck of the woods.
1: Absolutely, no. It is more I mean, it's not officially here, but to me, March is here. Yeah. I'm ready for it.
0: Right. Con- Bring on the tournament. The conference tourneys are coming up. Uh, well, I would say about up till about a week ago, uh, the feeling in East Lansing was that March was coming, and but the Spartans just laid back to back eggs at home. <laughs> it feels like they're kind of trying to play the way out of the tournament. So, uh, most of Michigan State fans obviously listen to the show. Uh, help us out. Give us a lay of the land for MSU as they enter the final three games of the regular season in the Big Ten tournament.
1: Yeah, um, and I'm still going to give you guys hope. I, I still uh, I haven't updated my bracket yet since that game. New one coming out tomorrow. But I would still have you guys as a 9 seed. So I'm sure that's not exactly where they would want to be right now. But that's still in the field with still a chance to make a run. I mean, last year made a run as a 7 seed. So why not as a 9? And there's still a chance to even move up from that. I don't even think being an 8 right now would be insane. Just because the predictive metrics still absolutely love Michigan State.
0: Is that just because of the Ken Palm and Torvik and those those rankings? The main
1: two that uh, the committee will use is the BPI and Ken Palm. And then they look at some other ones like results-based metrics, the uh, strength of record and KPI. But those are more just for selection um, it, compared to seeding. And the ones that weigh more heavy on seeding itself are the ones where Michigan State's looking good. So... Now that's where there'd be a little bit of an issue, since the results-based metrics are lower. Say you guys were to go zero and three in the next three games, God forbid. Um, then uh, those results-based metrics might be too low to where the predictive can't save them anymore, and they could be out. But I still think even one and two down the stretch might be enough.
0: And is that what about the Big Ten tournament then? You, do you have to win a game in the tournament too, or does it depend on who you're playing?
1: In that point, yeah, it would depend who they're playing and it would depend how the rest of the the bubble does up to that point, which is always so hard to project. But I I would say just at least going into the conference tournaments, if you went one and two down the stretch, I I still think I would have them in. But at that point, probably would want to win a tournament game just to be safe in case of what the rest of the bubble does. But I look at the rest of your games at indiana home northwestern and then obviously at purdue if you win the two you should win and lose at purdue probably could even get bounced in the first round of the tournament and still make it in
0: What makes me feel a little better
1: (laughs) now i mean maybe you go two and one down the stretch some other bubble teams do really well you lose that first tournament game maybe we're talking dayton but i can't see you guys being out completely
2: just, just out of curiosity, do you see yeah. if Michigan State were to go two and one, and, I, and I'm in the bargaining stage right now, but uh, <laughs> if they if they were to go two and one, so take the expected loss at Purdue, win the win the last two games, and then win at least one Big Ten tournament game, understanding that we don't know who that would be against. Uh, what kind of ceiling do you put? On Michigan State in terms of a seed, realistically, is there is there any shot in your mind without a Purdue victory that they can that they can get to be better than an eight seed, or is that kind of the scaling as you see it? I I
1: could absolutely see a seven. I'm looking at some of the teams okay. that I see on my seven line right now, and, and their resumes that I don't absolutely love either. So. And yeah. you could certainly sneak into that last 7. I think what would help is not just going 2 and 1 and winning a big 10 tournament game, but the w- the games you do win, doing it convincingly. Yeah, Cuz the thing sure. that is still helping the resume is those predictive metrics like I said, and those are so heavily based on margin of victory. And that's what's helped Michigan State a lot. You guys uh, in Absolutely. The game, 1 you've taken care of the teams in the games you've won and then lost a few close heartbreakers to, like, like Ohio State the other day. Sorry to bring it up again. So, yeah, I mean, if you go 2-1, and but you get rolled at Purdue and maybe eke out one of those two games you should win, I'm still probably thinking maybe up to an 8 at best, but if you go 2-1 and and you just wipe the floor with Northwestern and Indiana, and even if Purdue isn't even that close, I I still think a 7 is certainly possible, just given that some of the teams I had have ahead of them have some tougher schedules and some trap games down the stretch that they could certainly lose, which would help Michigan State jump above them.
2: Right.
0: What And then okay. before you go on yeah, to for go Michigan ahead. State, uh, what is a win at Purdue if somehow by miracle that that happens? What does that do for Michigan State?
1: Now, I, I think that would do a ton for them because right now, really, they're just holding on to that Baylor win, which is really elevating the resume, is their one Q1A win. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the win at home against Illinois is nice. That one, not as impressive in the committee's eyes just because it's at home, but it's still right. a very big one for them. But if you were to add, again, the way they kind of split up the Quadrant 1 into Q1A the Q1B, if you were to get another Q1A victory on there, and probably the best one you could get on the road at the number one overall seed. I mean, that would be even miles better than the Baylor win. Yeah, that ceiling is suddenly a, a six is not out of reach in the slightest. Because especially I imagine if you win at Purdue, you're gonna beat the other two teams. So
0: maybe
2: well, <laughs> no, We don't maybe don't, not, maybe don't be so sure. <laughs>
0: you I, haven't watched Michigan no, State, have it, you? The,
2: the the pessimism here, of course, is not <laughs> even just this season, but it's that Look, I I go back to nineteen seventy seven with this stuff, and I can remember Irvin Johnson getting beaten in Mackey Arena on a last second jumper. So if he gets beat, what do you think the rest of Michigan State teams over the years have done? It's been a tough. <laughs> it's enough. been a it's been a tough building, even in years where Purdue wasn't great. But uh, but that's good to that's good to know that if Michigan State is somehow able to pull that off and then take care of business in the other games, you wouldn't you would see maybe even a six as a a realistic possibility. So that that gives us a sense of where the ceiling is, I think.
1: Absolutely, yeah, especially because just the fact that as many losses as they have piled up, what does help is they don't have any bad losses. I mean, Some of them might feel bad, like losing at home while losing at home to Ohio State, but those are still just quadrant two losses when it's all said and done. Maybe you have more of those than you would like, which is keeping you down right now, but none of those glaring bad losses in the bottom two quadrants, like some of those other teams in that range has. Right. So when you're them down the line, if they were to win at Purdue, like, Hey, they have two really good victories, no bad losses. And the metrics love them. Yep. I'd be hard pressed to keep them down unless all those teams ahead of them keep winning as well.
2: Well, let's, let's turn our attention then away from MSU into some of the other teams of the big 10. Obviously, Purdue is. I think you said that currently the number one overall seed after what happened to UConn um, kind of moved Purdue back up. Um, uh, no conceivable scenario that Purdue would move out of the one line, right?
1: I know. Um, I could see scenarios where maybe connecticut or houston repass them sure. and they don't get number one overall sure but i think their floor almost at this point is barring one. like losing out is yeah like the third one seed unless they really struggle down the stretch which i just don't see happening
2: i just want to hit on a few of the teams that we're we're reasonably certain are in or are in decent position uh, and we'll start with Illinois. How do, how do you yeah. see the range of possibilities for the Illini?
1: Yeah, I think Illinois and another one I'm sure we're about to talk about in a sec, Wisconsin, yep. almost have very comparable resumes right now. Like, I'm still okay. working on racket bracket update for tomorrow, and I'm debating between the two of those for a four and a five seed. Really? So one might be a four, one might be a five, but I think they're both right about in that range. And at this point in the year if you're a 4 or 5 seed, it's you're a lock for the tournament. I mean, they yeah. could lose lose that seed obviously, but I don't think there's any way those two teams are playing themselves out. They've had fantastic seasons.
2: Do you do you see any realistic possibility for either of those teams to jump maybe up to a 3? I if either of those were to
1: uh win the Big 10 tournament, uh, or maybe even win out and lose in the final to Purdue and that were their only loss and they were to pick up uh-huh. uh, some wins on the way, I think it's certainly possible. Um, I mean, I'm looking now, Illinois and Wisconsin still play in the regular season again yeah. uh, as well. And Illinois also gets another game versus Purdue. Yeah. So yeah, to win both of those, beat Purdue at home and win at Wisconsin, I, Illinois could certainly move their way up to a three, maybe even going only to the semifinals at that point. So, it, But that's really just going to come down to a lot more of if the team's ahead of them <laughs> right. games as well. So yeah, absolutely, they have the remaining schedules to where if they get what they need ahead of them to happen happens, a three is certainly not inconceivable for either. I'd say maybe even a little bit more possible for Illinois just since they yeah. have that. Game at home, which is a huge opportunity as well, but it's possible for both, without a doubt. But that probably is their healing. Yeah, sorry, <laughs>
2: no, that's okay. It's interest. It's interesting that you see those two teams at the moment as so similar, because I think um, those of us who play close attention to Big Ten basketball and aren't necessarily locked into bracketology at until right about now, um, there's a. There's a recency bias, which, of course, does not apply anymore, so the committee says. But Wisconsin has obviously been really struggling. Now, they've righted the ship a little bit lately, but still had been on a terrible run. And so I think the perception in Big Ten country, certainly my perception, is that Illinois is a better team at this stage. But you seem to see them very, very close in terms of the quality of the resume
1: absolutely and i i still completely agree with you as well like when they play head to head given their recent form i would favor illinois in that one even though i think it's at wisconsin correct so yeah yeah and if they end up winning that one on the road at wisconsin then maybe they'll start separating which was kind of expected given the way they've been over the last month but Wisconsin really just had such a phenomenal start to the season. Yeah, they were in at contention for a one seed at one point. I think before that four game losing streak, so it's just hard, even with a bunch of losses down the stretch, to really, I'll nullify all the good they did before that. And yeah, it great, and that's
2: a point you're you're getting at something that I think everybody would be well advised to remember, which is that every game counts. And that win in November matters just as much as the one in March. It's just it's it's akin to the way people think about games. Somehow, points in the last minute loom so much larger than that basket you scored with eight forty seven to go in the first half. But they all count, and that's the same thing here, right?
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. Um, So then, to to move on to two teams that are maybe a little closer to where Michigan State sits. And in terms of the dynamic, we have Northwestern and Nebraska. How do you see the range of possibilities for those two schools?
1: Absolutely. I mean, probably just, did we'd done this interview last week, I would say both were squarely right. on the bubble. But I, I think they're, at this point, moving pretty solidly into, I would be surprised if they weren't in the tournament range. I mean... I, they're right there on that 8-9 seed line kind of border as well. So I, I think they're about in the same spot that Michigan State is in at this point. Right. Just like I said, Wisconsin and Illinois are really close. I think both of those teams, along with Michigan State, have gotten to the point where their resumes are almost a coin flip between the three as well. So similarly, I would be hard-pressed to see any of them completely miss the tournament, but... again you never know they're not locks yeah they still need to get at least a win and avoid any more really bad losses and i'm looking at the remaining schedule now like nebraska still has a home game against rutgers which would be a q3 loss which similar to Michigan state they've avoided any of those bad losses i think as long as they take care of rutgers at home and if They'd even lose all the others, maybe win one Big Ten tournament game if they get a bad team there that they couldn't afford a loss to. But they just take care of business and don't pick up a bad loss the rest of the way. I think Nebraska's probably in the field.
2: So at this stage, it, doing the, the update you're doing tomorrow, I'm not holding you to this, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. right now as, you sit, as we sit here talking, you would say none of those six Big Ten teams would be likely to be in Dayton they're all beyond that that's what you would expect
1: as of this moment yeah I would say they're all probably at least two seed lines ahead of Dayton right now when I say like if Nebraska only beats Rutgers the rest of the way and loses their games that's a scenario where maybe I could see them drop to Dayton if they win one game the rest of the way and it's just the one bad loss they can't afford but even that, and I think they're probably still dancing, especially just because right now, it actually makes it pretty convenient for me as a bracketologist. I feel like there's a pretty distinctive cut line on from my last team in the field to my first team out of the field. So they okay. can certainly slip into Dayton, but I think there's a, definitely a little bit, a lot of wiggle room to stay in the field right now. Gotcha. And Northwestern's maybe the only other one I would be worrying about a little bit more. Uh, just because they have that, they're the one that does have Chicago that really State. bad loss. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago yeah. State, yep, yeah. Q4. Um, and I think they've done enough to almost make that forgivable at this point. It's still hurting their seed. But they're the ones that if they picked up another bad loss, then that'd probably be a little less forgivable, especially since they're dealing with injury now too. Yeah. And now God, they have a bad loss now and they're not the same team. And they had a bad loss before, so... I'm looking at their one remaining bad loss at home against Minnesota. I, I think that's very important for them to get. I yeah. would worry about Northwestern if they lost at home to Minnesota, but as long as they win that one, I think they're in the same exact territory as Nebraska and Michigan State. I just think the bad loss could potentially harm them even more than it would either of the other two. So, Yeah,
2: that's an interesting game, though, because um, I can tell you the sense, I think the sense in our part of the country is that Minnesota may rate as a bad loss in terms of what the metrics say but that's a dangerous game for Northwestern so that's that's one we'll pay some attention to Minnesota's actually been playing pretty good basketball um, mm-hmm. since the start of the year since the start of the calendar year Eric you want to you want to Yeah go so with I guess the then you know just
0: moving a little further yeah. so teams in the Big 10 that may have a pulse the ones you know iowa minnesota uh i guess penn state ohio state i mean are any of those teams maryland are any of those teams really or do they have to do something amazing and like make the finals a big 10 tournament
1: i i think all of them probably at a minimum have to win out in the regular season Mm -hmm. uh the one i was just looking at that does seem kind of interesting that really wasn't even my radar and i don't want to and bring them up again, I'm sure you would have put it in the back burner, is Ohio State. Um, just look at, I know they went on such a bad losing stretch in the middle of the season, but if they were to win out against three games that I think they could win, it be Nebraska at home, beat Michigan at home, win at Rutgers, they might be favored all three of those and set themselves up to where if they made a Big Ten tournament run and were coming in aught off of several victories, including some quality ones, could maybe sneak their way back in. Now, I don't even think right now they'd be above some of those other teams that you mentioned in the pecking order, like in Iowa, for example. But I'm looking at what they have the rest of the way, and like I don't think Iowa wins at Northwestern or some of those other teams. I just don't see the path for them. Ohio State's that one that right now their resume is not even touching my next four out, but I feel like they have the potential with a new coach. They're playing hard under him, playing better maybe they could go on a little run and sneak back into contention, but that's more of a gut feeling than a, a current resume thing based on current resume. All of those teams that are out do need a seriously strong finish, which yeah, includes winning out the regular season and making a run right to at least the big 10
0: semifinals
1: to make it in.
0: Sure. Well, this is a good time to remind you that if your team is in the gutter, you need to make sure you get the brothers to, and gutters to take care of your gutter work in the West Michigan. Uh, Kurt and his team will take care of you also in the east side of the state, Greg and his team in the Metro Detroit area. Uh, you get 10% off if you mentioned Final Four when you get your estimate. You can find all that information at the Final Four's on slash support. And you get the links there to uh, link up with those guys to get estimates. And they do great quality work, uh, fantastic work. And all they do is gutters. And, you know, I know you have a little more hail down there, but you get plenty of rain down in Texas as well. So you definitely need good gutter work there as well. Uh, so, you know, the other the other question, I guess, you know, we talked about this last year a little bit, and you you mentioned it. And I don't know if that if that was intentional. You know, when you said the Big Ten championship game, we've generally felt that the championship game is so late in the in the schedule. Like it, aside yeah. from someone who is a team that's totally out, that the only way they can make it into an automatic qualifier, which would be winning the Big Ten championship, uh, is is the result in that game ever important? I mean, is it like, uh, do you think there's a team that's on the bubble, but um, well, I guess if, if it's, all they have to do is just make it to the game because it doesn't matter whether they make or win that game, if you know what I'm saying. Like, say, let's yeah. say Iowa makes it to the championship game. Does it really matter if they win or not because the, the committee's already decided at that point if they're in or not?
1: It, exactly. Now, I mean, I guess the only way it would is if it's a team that really had no bubble chance at all. Then obviously it matters because winning, yeah, right. win and you you're out, and at that point, they're just making a contingency bracket where it's like the committee will actually make two separate brackets just based on the result of that game and ship one out if one team wins and ship one out if the other team wins. So but that is really more if there's an at large kind of in play. I think if they determine that team is done enough by making it there to be in regardless, them actually winning that game probably wouldn't raise their seed like you think it would, only if it was truly to the difference of making it or not. But yeah, really that game, if it's between two teams that are solidly in the field, it means absolutely nothing. There, The committee has decided where there's going to be, and it's not going to change a thing. Now, I still think the Big Ten tournament matters, though, um, especially the wins all the way up through Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then this, those games on Saturday and Sunday is just kind of where the committee's kind of already just started to set teams and might not have nearly as much impact. So That's why I'm saying may those teams need to make a run through the semis, because hopefully that's enough. Because if you're still not Ian in the committee's eyes, by the time you've made it to the semis, winning that semifinal game might not make the difference. I mean, a lot Texas A&M we saw a few years ago, they made it all the way to the final, but clearly the committee didn't think them making the semifinals was enough. And then didn't factor in that win in the semis, which I thought maybe could have put them in, but made the right call of not putting them in because I expect the committee <laughs> to do that.
0: <laughs> Is it your biggest nightmare to that? the uh, There's a team for an automatic qualifier in that final, the Big Ten tournament that that suddenly may, has to win and then you have to redo your brackets for the last second? Or are you making contingency brackets? <laughs>
1: I, i'm doing with the it's still my worst nightmare because i don't want to have to be doing double the work on that last day but i certainly will have a contingency bracket ready uh, depending on it so it's not like i'll be scrambling last second to change everything but i don't want to be staying up even later that saturday night before making two contingency brackets so still a nightmare but something i could handle if it did come down to it <laughs>
2: We, we may have touched on this last year. I, I don't recall for sure, but the Big Ten is the last conference, I believe, of all of them, and certainly the last of the high major conferences in terms of um, when its championship game is played. Do you believe that timing has any impact on how that's viewed? In other words, I think, I think if I remember correctly, the ACC plays its title game on Saturday, right? Yeah, correct. Do you do you think that an ACC tournament winner gets treated any differently than a Big Ten tournament winner because the committee has that extra day to consider it and factor it in?
1: See, now, this is an interesting because last year I would have said maybe still no, because in the past, the committee had very much almost ignored all the Saturday and Sunday games. But. One of the few things I did miss in my bracket last year, even though it was pretty good on the rest of it, um, was I still had Marquette as a three seed, despite winning the Big East tournament Mm -hmm. on a Saturday. And I think they were clearly behind Baylor until they won that championship game. I still kept them at a three, and the committee moved them up to a two. So I still don't think a Sunday game is going to matter, but at least the committee last year kind of bucked the trend a little bit by actually putting some importance in that Saturday game. Now, maybe I was just way off, and they had Marquette ahead of them already anyway, but I really can't see how that would have been the case. So yeah. maybe they're starting to pay attention to those games and, a little and, bit.
2: And this, because- is, this has been mentioned in Big Ten circles, that because I think the general consensus ag- agrees with you that the Big Ten championship game results don't tend to matter unless... You have a scenario like, you know, I go back to I think Illinois. It was, I think this right? was the case. Well, I think this was the case in two thousand twelve, um, where Michigan State and Ohio State were playing the rubber match of a three game series, and it was pretty well set that the winner would get a one seed, the loser would get a two. And Michigan State won and and, and did in fact get the one seed. So other than those kind of scenarios or what you were talking about earlier. I think the sense agrees with you completely that uh, there's just no impact in terms of the result. And so I think there has been a feeling in some quarters that the Big Ten penalizes itself by playing its championship game as the last game leading into March Madness. Now, the problem is convincing, even if you wanted to change it, convincing (laughs) CBS (laughs) to let you do so is a whole other matter. But it's, that's why I wanted to ask you the question. So it sounds like you're beginning to believe maybe there there might be something to that, at least in certain situations. I, I wanted to ask you also, um, and I know, and this is something that I think people who don't pay particularly close attention to this process until that Sunday get confused about, but the committee, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but the committee is not evaluating teams necessarily within a conference it's all against all but nevertheless fans tend to view this thing through the prism of conference strength and conference strength largely determined by well how many teams did you get in so we've talked about the big 10 and it sounds like barring something really unforeseen the big 10 probably maxes out at six what leagues do you see that that will be getting because i'm sure there are some that are in line, at least as of the moment, to receive more bids than that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think there's probably a pretty clear two. Yeah. And I think there's two that are going to get more, and I, I think there's not any others that even could, and I don't think those two could get less. I, I think the the Big 12 and the SEC are, are both going to get more than six bids, uh, probably even eight-plus. Right. Uh, but— and on the flip side, I don't see any other conferences getting more than six. I think those are probably the clear top two conferences just in terms of depth of talent this year. And then the Big Tw- uh, Ten is probably just sitting there at third. Now, tied with the Big Ten, there's also, people might not like this, a very good chance the Mountain West gets six teams in.
2: That's interesting. Um, okay, can you walk yeah. <laughs> us? can you walk us through that a little bit? Because I think that will come as a shock to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've just done a very good job of just kind of beating each other up at the top, but not taking bad losses to the teams at the bottom, and all had pretty clean out-of-conference schedules. So, they're certainly limiting their team's highest possible seeds by doing that. I mean, there's a very chance they get six teams in, but four of them are nine seeds or lower, and only two of them are, like, in the five- to seven-seed range, so... They've just yeah, it's just a very balanced league where if you look at their like overall strength, you wouldn't say they're anywhere near as good as the Big Ten probably. But they just have a bunch of really similar teams at the top. So if you if you leave one out, you can't. I mean, if you put one in, you almost have all of them in because their
2: resumes are so similar. Where just out of curiosity, where do you see the Big East in this regard?
1: So the Big East, I currently have uh, with five teams in the field wow. right now, but they have so many hovering around that bubble area. Like sure. they're just this is this was from my last update, but I had them with five teams in, but that was with Providence and Seton all in my last four in, and then Butler and Villanova in my first four out. So they are just uh, so many teams right there on the bubble. They have three absolute locks and then just the entire middle of their conference is the bubble. I didn't even mention Satan Johns, yep. who had a huge weekend, who's going to be back in the bubble picture themselves as well. So they could probably get them – maybe they could get to six, but those teams are going to have to beat each other up, so there's no right. way they're going to get more than that, because for one to elevate themselves, they're going the to have to – The other goes down.
2: But that's, exactly. But that's pretty remarkable, though, that you could be looking at the Mountain West – as perhaps as high as tied for third in the number of bids, and ahead of a league like um, the ACC. Big East, but maybe even I was going to say the ACC and the the swan song of the Pac-12. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty. That's pretty remarkable.
1: And that, but yeah, it's interesting because then the flip side, like the three highest seeded ACC teams, Duke, North Carolina, and Clemson, could all be seated higher than any Mountain West team. In right, the Big East. Absolutely. Creighton, Marquette, UConn, their highest three seeded teams yep. will be seated higher than any from the Mountain West. And it's really just because those three teams have just taken care of business with the rest of the league for the most part. Or on the flip side, there was there's not a three. If there were a three Mountain West teams that kind of separated themselves, they might all have great seeds and no one else makes it. But they're right. just all so even. They're just. It's a bubble conference, but they're all
2: just good enough to make on the, it. On
0: the right side of it, yeah. Yeah. The Champagne Conference. Uh, we <laughs> yeah, we had a uh, listener question, but before we get to that, I just want to remind you that uh, check, check out the nudge printing for your Spartan apparel. Uh, they, have great, they do great work, great apparel, screen-printed material, uh, hoodies, T-shirts, whatever you want, all kinds of schools, not just Michigan State, although they specialize in Michigan State, all kinds of vintage stuff. Let's say you went to Texas State. You can get Texas State gear at Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com, which may interest Dom here down in Texas. So uh, there's Indiana and a bunch of other schools in the state of Michigan outside of the University of Michigan. You can't. You have to go somewhere else. If you want that kind of stuff. So uh, head on over to Nudge Printing. Twenty percent off if you mention Final Four uh, when you get your uh, uh, checkout. All right. So. Uh, Listener question, we soliciting questions that Michael Bosick asks, uh, here's a Misery Loves Company question. <laughs> is Gonzaga out of the tournament unless they win their conference tournament?
1: I was Right now, I literally had them as the last team in, and it is, it's going to be tight for them. Um, what helps is just the fact that they're the last team in, but I currently have two bid thieves projected right now um just cuz there's two teams leading their conferences that I think would only make it if they won their conference tournament so if, if that's what could very end up much that's what could very much decide it if they don't win at Saint Mary's and don't win the WCC tournament they're going to be right there on that cut line and it's just going to come down to you know, what other bubble teams do how many bid thieves are out there but I will say They still have that opportunity at St. Mary's. If they win out in the regular season and win at St. Mary's, but then lose the rematch in the the WCC championship game, I think they're in at that point. That would be a really quality win at St. Mary's. And even splitting with them, the loss to them isn't going to hurt. The win is going to do a lot of good, give them a second quality win to pair with that Kentucky one. So, yeah, I I think that question really just stipulates on if they win at St. Mary's, I think they're fine. Regardless, if they lose that game to St. Mary's and then lose to them a second time, it's gonna be really tight. It, like I said, and what the other bubble teams do, if there's bid thieves, who knows? It's, it's they're gonna be one of the first in or first out. I would think.
2: So i have a I have a well i have a I have a couple of other mid-major conference questions that are. Um that are of interest to us. Uh, one concerns the Missouri Valley and quietly one of Michigan state's better wins this year was their home court victory over Indiana state. I think Michigan state fans are dying. I'm not sure. Are they, are they a, a Q2 now? I, I, they,
1: I am almost certain that they are last. I looked okay. they'd at it. So unless that somehow went back up today, but they were 33rd last. I looked and let me, yeah, still 33, so it can still go back up to Q1, but they are down to Q2 now. They,
2: they were a Q1 for most of the season, and and I think most Michigan State observers were really impressed by that team. They are currently leading the Missouri Valley in the regular season, but Drake, who my partner Eric's <laughs> dad, is, uh, that's his alma mater, so there's a little bit of an interest for us on that level, and then generally our listenership, I think, around Indiana State because we saw that team and and even in losing to MSU I thought they were they were really impressive offensively in particular is there a scenario where you could see Drake or somebody else winning arch madness and Indiana State still manages to squeeze in as an at large
1: See, had we done this a few weeks ago, I would have said there's a fantastic chance of it. I had right. them up as, as high as a nine seed, and then they lose at home to Illinois yeah. State. Which That's why just, we're
2: asking, because I know that yeah. they've taken, I know their resume's taken a little bit of a hit. I'm curious wh- how you see it as they sit here right now.
1: The, their resume still isn't terrible, I and mean, the metrics still like them for the most part. They're kind of in that like high 40s range. Their win at Bradley is still a Q1 win, and they're 4-1 in Q2, so those are not bad quadrant records at all. Uh, I I think their entire resume, you just take out that Illinois State win, there's a phenomenal... I mean, I would say, if they had not lost Illinois State, and they were to win out until Drake and the Missouri Valley Championship and lose, I would say they're almost 80% chance they're going to be in the field. Um, Yeah, that Q4 loss... Q4 losses just really are killers to teams. And and I feel like even more when you're a mid-major team that doesn't have as many quality opportunities to prove that that was a fluke. It's almost just more like maybe that's more who they are. So I I don't think it's impossible. I I, I think, again, they have to win out and they have to lose to Drake, no one else, in the championship game because that would be the only one that would be a Q1 loss. And then they just sit back and watch all the other bubble teams play and, and hope. <laughs> okay. So it, it's possible. It's just, it's, I'd say it's less than 50%, but it's, it's not out of the question yet. Maybe a one in three chance. If okay. they went out. Like, all
2: right, great. That gives us a good picture. Then the other team I wanted to ask about that has a, a at least some level of a Michigan state connection Um and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm guessing some of our listeners are curious. Drew Valentine, whose brother played at Michigan State, Drew was actually a grad assistant at Michigan State before he moved on to Loyola or to Oakland first, and then Loyola of Chicago as an assistant. Now he's the head coach at Loyola. Loyola has had a tremendous bounce back season in their second year in the A10. And I don't believe they're leading. Maybe they're tied for the lead. They're right near the top of the conference. And so there's a legitimate shot that they could win the A-10 tournament. I'm assuming, though, that their case is not nearly as strong as even Indiana State's, and they need to win the A-10 tournament, whereas perhaps Dayton does not. Is that accurate? Yeah, Dayton certainly
1: does not. I mean, I'm almost close to calling Dayton a lock for the field at this point. I mean, barring some really bad losses, losing all their games the rest of the way. But yeah, Loyola Chicago just really hasn't done enough to get themselves in that at-large territory yet. I mean, their best wins are at George Mason, at St. Joseph's, Neutral Boston College. Yeah, yeah. All handful of Q2 wins, nothing against the projected field. And they have a Q4 loss as well against UIC. So it's great. The bounce back season has been for them. It is certainly win the A-10 tournament or bust. bust, Now, if they do, they're going to get a pretty solid seed to where they could pull an upset. They'll be a 12 or a 13 seed. And that's always that range where you're getting kind of one of those middling high major teams that they could shock. But they're going to have to win the A-10 tournament to get themselves there. While Dayton, on the other hand, just had a really good out-of-conference, has piled up some Q1 wins. They're going to be in no matter what. I have them as around a six seed right now, even. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, well, if you're having trouble seeing the clear, the field clearly, maybe you need to get your windows washed by the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids. <laughs> Check them out. Uh, if you're in the Grand Rapids area, they'll clean your house, Your uh, they can do window cleaning obviously for your house, for your business, for high rise, whatever you need done, uh, they'll take care of it. You get 15% off, if you mentioned rebound, you get your estimate, you can find those estimates and ways of getting that at the support page at the final fours on the schedule.com slash support. And so one of the other games, uh, teams, that is of interest. In Michigan State. These are. All, I feel like we're just bringing up bad memories here. But James Madison yeah. had to start out the season. Uh,
1: that's what I thought you were going to bring up. Yeah, last I, I wasn't sure where We'd Rob's going yeah. there either.
0: But yeah, I think James Madison another one because they were. I mean, undefeated. They were they the last undefeated team to lose? They were one of the last ones to to finally mean, uh, sustain one a of loss last for
1: sure. Yeah.
0: So they're out of the Sun Belt, I think. Right. So what is uh, if they don't win their conference tournament? I mean, that's always a the question. They lose in the championship game. They don't win the conference tournament. Can they get in? That's always the question, right?
1: And they're one of the ones that I, I would say of the ones we talked about, maybe they're slightly behind Indiana state in the pecking order, but they're about in the same. I, I'd say hey, they're pretty much neck and neck with them. I, I mean, my last update, I had them both in the next four out. So, so close. I, I think that again, they both need to, I mean, just like Indiana state, they need to win out in the regular season, make their conference championship game, lose a close one to one of the better teams in their conference, probably to Appalachian State, actually. I think it would have to be to them. Um, And then just sit back and hope. So (laughs) is it possible? Absolutely. And it'd be really interesting if it got to a point where the bubble really did implode on itself. And James Madison and Indiana State both did that. They both won out to the championship game and lost. And it's like, oh, which one of these would I put in? That'd be a tight call because I think they're both pretty much in that exact same boat so yeah, the answer with James Madison is same as it was with India State win out, lose the last game to the other best team of the conference you got like a 1-3 chance probably
2: anybody else from the mid-major ranks that you see as the potential to make the field as an at-large
1: until they went on a two-game losing streak after only losing two games all year this last week I would have said Grand Canyon at a wow. very good chance of making it themselves. Um, but yeah, they just, they were almost to that point where, all right, just win out your last few games of the regular season. You probably can afford a loss and still make it in. And then they lose two straight for their third and fourth losses of the year. And now I think that they have to win their conference tournament. So they were one that was right there in that mix. So worth mentioning because I thought they were going to be there all year but wheels kind of just fell off late. I still think they win the, the whack. I, I still think they're a significantly better team than anyone else in that conference, despite some of those recent losses. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to win it now to make it in, but they would have had a great chance. had they still only had two losses on the resume. Like they did most of the year.
2: So nobody else that comes to mind that would fall into that category.
1: I would say on the flip side of Indiana State, Drake has a chance themselves in the same kind of scenario where both of them went out. They play each other. But let's say Indiana State's the one that wins it. I think conversely, Drake's in a very similar spot to Indiana State. Now, they just lost this weekend, which probably makes it even a little tougher for them. But I'm not throwing them out of contention completely yet but I would have said they were almost neck and neck, maybe even a better chance than Indiana state until their most recent loss.
0: Interesting. Well, we'll keep an eye on all those things. We'll probably try to get you on before the, maybe the big 10 tournament to get, get a lay the land. What, what the, where the big 10 stands and the other teams in the field, as it starts to maybe make some more sense or sometimes maybe more chaos, who knows, right. When it comes to that point, Uh again, make sure you visit our sponsors at the at the final four on schedule dot com slash support the nudge printing brothers just gutters and the squeegee squad at grand rapids don for bracket bracketometry.com thank you so much for being on and for the number one, top bracketologist coming on our show we really appreciate it
1: absolutely no i love being on uh, yeah i would definitely enjoy coming back on to preview the tournament and hopefully michigan state's uh coming off a win at purdue at that point and there's a <laughs> much jollier tone that would be
0: <laughs> boy well, i don't know if i'll be able to handle this Have, losing those two and then winning at purdue i'm not quite sure the uh, cognitive distance i'm, I'm not sure what will happen to my brain i'll be totally scrambled at yeah, that it's point too much. Yeah. Down. well it has <laughs> been a couple years of a little bit roller coaster there for sure so all right well <laughs> until next time the final four is out of the schedule go green go green